Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are the author of our salvation. You call your spirit our breath. You breathed upon the disciples and gave them your spirit. Your word is spirit breathed. So I do pray that you would be our life, which means you would be our breath. So that in every breath, we, we would glorify you. Uh, and that is, that is tough to do. Perhaps that's impossible to do. But we need reminding on Sunday worship. We need reminding by brothers and sisters in Christ. We need reminding from a small group. We need reminding from mentors. We need reminding from your word and we need reminding from your spirit. And as we are reminded, you walk us in discipleship and you grow us. And one day, every breath will glorify you. May that be sooner rather than later. Thank you for our opportunity to worship. May we worship with our lives and our words and our actions. In your name, as you taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you all. Y'all can be seated. You can uh, open your Bibles to Matthew 6 uh, as our worship team steps down and uh, as our kids take off. Matthew chapter 6, if you do not have a Bible, there are Bibles in the back. Uh, We would love for you to pick one up. We'd love for you to take one home. We will be reading verse 5 through 15, and actually we'll be reading the same passage over the next several weeks. Uh, So we will be in Matthew 6. We are doing a series... Uh, really about through the end of February, on prayer. And it's not about what we pray for, it is about how we pray. And the best place, and really the first place to look at, is the Lord's Prayer. Uh, So we're going to be going through the Lord's Prayer, uh, line by line, and breaking it down. Uh, Last week, well actually to give you a recap, two weeks ago, It was more or less an intro sermon on prayer and on the Lord's Prayer. Last week we focused on our Father, and today we focus on hallowed be thy name, or what I would call adoration, and why it is so important. Adoration is tied to worship, Uh, it is tied to praise, Uh, whether that is uh, music, uh, whether that is uh, speaking our words to God in prayer, But we're going to be looking at adoration and hallowed. So, all that being said, let's read Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 15. These are the words of Jesus, and he says, When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Okay, again, today looking at hallowed, adoration. What do we hallow? We were talking in staff meeting this week, and... uh, Tyler, where's Tyler? Tyler right there. Uh, he had a great question. It was a very simple question. He's like, what's hallow mean? Uh-huh. It is an old English word, but interestingly, in every translation, well, maybe not the message, I didn't look at that, but generally every translation of the Bible, they keep the word hallow uh, in there. Uh, and again, it's, it's not often used, and you don't hear it very much, but very, very old English word, but all the translations keep hallow in there. And it's meaning, and you know, Actually, the, really the only place I've ever heard it is, hey, this is hallowed ground. Uh, usually sports fans say that about, you know, some uh, football stadium or, you know, Lambeau Field or, you know, that's a, that's a safe call, I guess, here. Uh, they got a game. Or, um, you know, a baseball park or something. You know, this is hallowed territory. That's really the only place I've heard it. Um, you know, interestingly, don't hear much about God or our Lord. Hallowed be thy name. So they keep this word in there, which I think is is very good, but it really means of ultimate importance. Sacred, sacred ground. Holy, uh, of ultimate value. Uh, So even though we may not say it, all of us hallow something. What do you hallow? What do you hallow? I want to... I want to uh, make three points or three statements about hallow in our prayers or our prayer life. I want to talk about why it's necessary, why it's first, and how to do it. Necessary, first, how. So, to begin with, why this is necessary, why hallowing is necessary. I would say that, that all of us hallow something. And hallowing is necessary to our lives. Uh, we all worship something. We all idolize something. Uh, it just, you know, it may be different. But we all, it is necessary for our lives to hallow something. So I keep asking you, what do you hallow? Jesus said, at the beginning, he said, don't be like the hypocrites. Now, you know, what do you think of when you think of a hypocrite? Uh, I think of someone who says one thing. Uh, and does another. Uh, I think of someone who, uh, they can be religious or non-religious. They can be Christian hypocrites, they can not be a Christian. Uh, But to be hypocritical is your words, your actions do not match up. And so what he's saying here is, does your prayer life match up? Does your prayer life have integrity? Uh, This could not not say anything about y'all, but this could be most true for me because... Uh, arguably, I'm probably one of the most public prayers in this church, you know. I mean, I openly pray. 
So I'm convicted, does my secret prayer life match my public prayer life? Frankly, it's a great question for me. It should be a question for you. You know, people like to pinpoint on their pastors, but it should convict you too, okay? Does your secret prayer life match up with your open prayer life? I mean, some of y'all know how this is. You, you pray in a group or you're asked to pray at a family dinner or, you know, you're searching for words. What about your secret prayer life? So Jesus said, don't be like the hypocrites because they like to pray in public. They get Christian, well, I say Christian rewards. They get rewarded for great prayers. What's their prayer life in secret life? Uh, I quoted a man, I guess it was a couple weeks back, the, the beginning sermon, and this really convicted me too. This guy named John Owen, you don't know his name. He was actually a Puritan, came over here before uh, the country was settled, one of the first uh, well-known pastors, writers. But he said, a pastor, so this was like late 1600s, a pastor can fill the pulpits, there were pulpits back then, can speak to his community, but that man is only what, his, what he is on his knees in prayer. I believe that. There's the outward perception, there's the outward work. That man and any man and any woman, I believe, is only who they are on their knees in prayer. That's where, that's where you know if your faith is real. That's how God knows your faith is real. So Jesus said, don't be like hypocrites. Now, how, why is this necessary? Why is hallowing God necessary? Because again, let me go back. Every other Christian action or behavior here, and I'm going to talk about Bible Belt context, you get rewarded for. And that's not the case everywhere in the world. But here, you know, good prayer, you get rewarded for it. People may not say good prayer, but sometimes they do. Uh, coming to church regularly, you get rewarded for that, okay? As in like, you know, maybe if you're a husband, you know, and your wife's been begging you to go to church, you know, you get a little, little more love. You know what I'm saying? You might. You might not. I don't know. You might. Um, you know, you might, you might make some more relationships. You might find a more support, better support group. Uh, you might get a business contact. You might just begin to be seen as, man, that's a, uh, that's a man or woman who is just moral. We don't say moral, but like a good person. Uh, or someone with intent. They're, they're, you know, they're a good churchgoer. You know, I used to look at uh, people running for office I don't know if they do this as much anymore, but I've, in the last 10 years, and I'm not talking nationally, I'm talking like here. You know, they always throw what church they're going to, uh, and usually it was a bigger church, you know. What is that trying to say? It's trying to say something. They're communicating something. You, you get rewards. You get rewards for just basic good behavior, being a good moral person. The only thing you do not get rewarded for in your Christian life is your secret prayer life. And that is what matters most. That is why it is necessary, because it's just you and God. Who are you in your prayer closet? Who are you in the dark? It's the only thing we don't get rewarded. I get rewarded for this. You know, people, hey, you're a pastor, you're, you know, blah, blah, blah. Hey, good prayer. Hey, you do good. My secret prayer life, nobody sees. It's necessary. It is necessary. It is first before anything else. That walk with the Lord. That communication with the Lord. Don't be like the hypocrites, Jesus says. They like to pray in public places. They like to pray openly. They like to have it said to them, wow, what a good prayer. Man, I want to, you know, you pray in this group. Hey, you, 
they don't pray like that in secret. Do they even pray in secret? Now, let me ask you this question too. Why, again, it's necessary. Hallowing is necessary. What do you hallow? Let me put it in an easier way. Much easier way to think about it. What do you daydream about? What do you daydream about? What do you, what do you, you know, when you have quiet time, what do you think about? Uh, is it a lot of people's approval? I say a lot because, you know, like to be, uh, you know, a social success amongst your peers. Have a lot of friends. Have a lot of Facebook friends. Have a lot of likes, a lot of loves. Whatever you do now, you, can, you know, you know, option of 20, you know, responses. Is it career success? Is it a second home? Is it your, your kids being able to attain what you did not? What do you daydream about? Is it a TV show? Is it a character on a TV show? It is dream guy, dream girl, dream marriage, while you're in a marriage. What do you daydream about? That is what you hallow. So often, here's, you know, guilt is charged right here. Not putting it on you, but it is on you, but it's on me too. Often our quiet time and our prayer life gets a big, big boost when what we hallow is in trouble. Okay? And we'll, we'll go to the Lord and, like I said, hallowing is necessary. We will, we will pray. We will get on our knees. But do we still even hallow God? No. We, what we hallow is in, is in jeopardy. Why is it necessary? Got to go to the Lord. That secret prayer life. What do we hallow? How do you know if you're a real Christian or not? I say a real Christian. Obviously, you confess, you're baptized, but how do you know it's real? Like it's growing. It's like that seed is bearing fruit. That secret prayer life. You can have somebody come to church, and again, come to church here, you get Christian rewards. Uh, they can, um, and I get, look, you come to church for many ways. I mean, to make relationship, that's good. I'd you know, rather you come to church for that. To find a support group, that's good. But often, people will, will come to church for relationships, to find support, good stuff. But they never even ask, like, is, is this true? They never really ask, you know, how can I go deeper? How do you know that? That secret prayer life. And you may say, well, it's secret. I can't see it. Well, God knows it. So you come to church. It's necessary to hallow God. It's necessary to not be a hypocrite. Some folks come to church and frankly, you know, and this, this is churches all over the world, you know, getting close, to, um, getting close to the people of power, being in a position of power. Maybe it's an elder or deacon. I mean, that feels good. You kind of feel superior. We all struggle with pride. Uh, and then, you know, one day they may leave or, you know, people come and people leave other churches. I mean, how, how do you know where they stay or where they leave? How do they know it's real? That secret prayer life. To not be a hypocrite. It is necessary. It is necessary. Enough on that. Let's move on to how it is first. How it's primary. Okay? To adore God, to hallow God is first above everything else. I talked about often, again, guilt is charged here. Your prayer life, you know, ratchets up when what you hallow is in trouble. But here in the Lord's Prayer, and so in all prayers it should be, adoration to hallow is first. How is it first? Well, Jesus says it's first. After our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. So this is before kneeling down and say, God, I have this mountain, I need you to move it. It is before kneeling down is, uh, God, I've, I've had an affair, I'm in adultery, forgive me. It's before everything else. Hallowed be thy name. Adoration. And a great question would be, why? Why is that? Because how you see God, how you adore God, I think of it like this. It, I like a picture frame. I like a nice picture. The adoration, the hallow is the frame. Okay? That makes it easy. It frames everything else that you will pray about. It dominates everything else. It keeps the picture on the wall. It keeps it sturdy and stable. Okay? It frames it. It defines your prayer. It dominates it. Or it should. Let me give you a couple examples about how we'll pray or prayers and they're not hallowing God and so it, it ends up defying everything else. It actually ends up causing us to see the world uh, different than how we should see the world as a Christian. One example, okay, in confession. And to confess, if you didn't know it, confess is saying, God, I have sin. Here is blankety-blank sin. Forgive me. And the Bible says we confess we are forgiven. Now, what I've heard over and over again, and this is a cliche, but it's very true. Someone say, hey, I know God forgives me. And I know that so-and-so forgives me. I just can't forgive myself. Anybody ever said that? I've said it. A couple folks. Can't forgive myself. Why is that? I want you to see this. Then, then you hallow something above God. You're like, how? What do you mean? I'll give you an example. A guy has an affair, is in adultery, okay? Uh, is convicted, ends it, confesses, the marriage stabilizes, still together, and yet he says, I know, says to me, I know that God has forgiven me. I know that my wife has forgiven me. I can't forgive myself. Why is that? Well, come to find out, uh, this person had a very uh, Christian family, a very moral family, okay? Where like, you know, sexual sin was over and above every other sin. And that guy had really, you know, totally shattered parental expectations of what they wanted and what the family wanted. So really... His expectations, or rather his family's expectations for him, were so much bigger and stronger. That is what he hallowed. He hallowed his parents above God. You see this? Because if if God forgives you, he's the author of your salvation. If you say you're a Christian, you should be good to go. Um, Another example, uh, you confess about something and say, "I, I can't forgive myself. But really what you hallow is what your peers think of you. Because your peers are gossiping about you. Okay? And that is like death blow after death blow because you know what they're saying. So you just walk in life. Let's say same situation. This has happened too. Having an affair, had adultery. God forgives you. Wife forgives you. But you know your peers. You know what they're saying. So you continue in life. This is really true. Continue in life. You hallow these relationships, or you hallow these people that you want to be in relationship with. Um, give you another example. Petition. 
Petition is asking God, God, please give me this. And, and like I said last week, the Lord says, come to him for everything. Come to him, you know, give us our daily bread. Not weekly, not monthly, daily bread. Go to him for everything. Go to him about your child, your family, your marriage. Go to him about the city, you know. Pray right now, it's either an ambulance or a cop, you know. Somebody's hurting. Go to him daily. So you say, God, I need this. Give you an example like a job. Like I need this job or I need a fulfilling job or I need, you know, this job, you know, just stinks, you know. Or I need a promotion. God, give me this. And if you don't get it, which often someone may not get it, you're crushed. And it may crush your views of God. Or you really don't hallow God. You hallow a career. You hallow a, quote, calling that, you know, the Bible actually doesn't come out and say, it says, you know, Everybody, is, everybody is, is called to go, but it doesn't say like everybody is supposed to be some great, you know, blankety-blank career or even some great apostle. It doesn't say that at all. So you don't, you're crushed because you want this so bad. You want purpose for fulfillment and you don't get it. That's what you hallow. You don't hallow God. So it is, it is primary. Uh, people walk, and I've struggled with this, anxiety. We really then don't get Philippians 4. If you look at Philippians 4, he says, cast all your anxieties on the Lord, knowing that he hears you. Okay? So, so really we should live in a way where it's like pray, give God everything, and then relax. Yeah, and trust that he's going to take care of it. You got to get that. And, and I don't know how many of you do, if any of us do. Cast it on the Lord, give it to God, and, and let it go. Relax. He either gives you what you asked for, or he gives us what we would have asked for if we knew everything he did. Period. But it is primary, and it, it defines all our prayer life. It really defines our Christian life. How we adore, if we adore, how we hallow. Jesus puts it first. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He doesn't put our Father in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. He doesn't put our Father in heaven. Forgive us. Our debts, we forgive our debts. He says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, hallowed be thy name. What do you hallow? What is first? What is of ultimate value? Uh, the devil will lie to you. The devil will lie to us. I'll give you a quick example, okay? Pretend you're a kid. You know, we just came from Christmas. We all have our toys. You know, let's go back to childhood. Think about a toy you like. You go with dad or mom or both into a toy store or grandparents, or whomever you were close to. You go into this great toy store, and you're like, man, I want that. That's, that's the toy I want. And the parent or the grandparent of the close one says, get this, he says, you'll never have that. Because that's the one you want the most, and that's the best. You'll never have it. I'm going to make sure you never have it. And, get this, all these toys around the store, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let you have any of them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work to try to make your life miserable. That, that crushes us, okay? Now, you're like, why don't you tell that story? That is the lie the devil tells us all. Take the toy, toy store out. What do you mean? The devil said the same lie in Genesis 3. He says the same lie to you today. Now, what do you mean? Now, look, I believe Genesis 3 is literal. I also believe Genesis 1-2 literal. You can debate that, okay? But I believe it's literal. 
God created Adam and Eve. Here's the Garden of Eden. It's, it's, it's perfect. And he said, just have one command. And I don't want you to ask why. It's just, I just want you to obey me. I guess that's why. Just don't eat off that tree. Don't eat that tree. And the serpent comes up. You know, serpents do now. And uh, I hate them. And I do hate them. Right, Chris? Where's Chris? Chris he showed me a picture. I know. Deer hunting in May. <laughs> you get serpents, you know. Like, it feels like May. Anyway, I digress. So, the serpent comes up and says, oh, God said don't eat off that tree. You know why? That's the best tree. God doesn't want you to have the best. But you can take the best. It's the same lie. And the lie is, because God doesn't give us everything, and he doesn't, he won't give us anything. That's the lie. And how we hallow God, it frames, actually it frames our view of ourselves, it frames our view of of the world. And if you don't hallow God and adore him, your view of yourself, your view of your problems, your view of the world will be out of joint, will be distorted. And you'll think, I know many people have thought, maybe not said it this way, but because God won't give me everything, he's not going to give me anything, which is totally untrue. But he he doesn't give us everything in this earthly life. We will have everything one day, and I think that's maybe one of the reasons heaven is heaven. If we had everything here, it wouldn't be heaven. It's my opinion. But he doesn't give us everything here, you know? You know, I, I mean, I, I don't want to have a child on the autism spectrum. I don't. He gives me that. I, we still have that. It's not everything. That's just one example. But that doesn't mean he won't. He doesn't give us anything. He gives us so much. He gives you so much. And so the lie of the devil is like we're in that toy store, and he's like, God's going to make you miserable. You just got to suffer through this. No, no. The lie of the devil is that's the best. And God's not like, no. So it is, um, it is primary how we see God. Last thing, how we adore him. And, you know, I really think, as I was thinking through that, I actually think it's most important. I may spend the least amount of time on it. Hopefully I'll make this simple. But how we adore him. You're like, well, dude, does that mean do i got to raise my hand now, you know, in church? Or do I actually got to sing? I mean, it'd be nice, but I, we'd rather it be an outflow, you know, rather than, I don't know going to force you. A feeling, you know, that's real, that's true. What do I got to do? I got to pray more? I got to... You don't have to do anything. I do want to get you to a point where you, that's your greatest joy and desire. And, that's, and if it's not, then, hey, we got plenty of time. We got a lot of Sundays. But that it's a joy and desire. And here's, the, here's a way that's helped me. How you adore, how you hallow, is like a pendulum. Anybody like clocks? I like clocks. Any you know a pendulum? You know what I'm talking about? And it swings, okay? However far on one side the pendulum goes, then it will go, you know, farther on the other side. And if it doesn't go, let's say, far on this side, you know, it's not going to go very far on this side. Our faith, our hallowing, our prayer life, our secret prayer life is like a pendulum. Yours is. If you go as far... Over here, okay, it's going to swing back for your life over here. 
And if you will not go that far, you just go here and just go here. Now, what do you mean by this? Well, he says, our Father in heaven. In heaven. I want you to think about God being most holy and most loving. Most holy, and I haven't always liked that word because I think of holy roller. But holy, let's, let's get the pendulum over here. Holy, let's try to go pretty far. Holy in heaven, in majesty, in glory. Author of our salvation, author of all creation, majesty, power, dominion, sovereignty. If you believe he's all that and all control, then you can swing back over here and be like, he holds everything. He holds the universe in his hand. That's in Hebrews. He controls all things. That pendulum will go far in your life. Loving, okay? That the creator and author all the way over here, he knew me personally. He went to the cross. He loved me so much. His holiness and his love are are combined in Jesus Christ. He knows you personally. He loves you. Well, then you come over here and you will always feel his love. You will not always need the approval of other people. The holy almighty God loves you as an individual. That pendulum is strong swinging back and forth. But then you might not. Uh, You might be like some other folks. Well, you know, I believe in God. I have a relationship with God. But, you know, I don't know about this, this Jesus. Which is probably at least one of you here. Then I would say, well, do you believe he forgives sins? Yes, he's loving. Well, then what did it cost God? Because forgiveness always entails a cost. So, so your pendulum is like, well, I kind of believe in God. You know, I want to be safe. Yeah, you I mean you're safe, but you're not. You're not going to be going out there in a faith-filled, love-saturated, able to love people. You're probably going to be searching for the approval of other people, wallowing in some bitterness, always going to God when what you hallow is in trouble and. So it's just right over here. You know, I I believe in God, but I do not believe God sends people to hell. Now, I know that's some of you. I do not believe in God, that God sends people to hell. He just, well, then you can't believe that Jesus took on hell. You can't believe that Jesus went to hell for you. I don't know if I believe in hell. Then you don't believe that God went, that God took on hell, that he absorbed all the cost. That actually holiness and love are combined. It's, it's the cross, in the cross. And what I want is, you know, there's this strong, sweeping pendulum. So you go all the way over here. God is heavenly. God is holy. God is loving. He, he, he upholds the universe in His hand. He's greater than anything and everything. And He did it for me, and He did it for you. And that love is real. And so you come over here and like, Whatever I traverse in this earthly life, and I emphasize earthly life because it is not our full life, and maybe this earthly life is only a preparation for a heavenly life. I don't know that to be the case, but sometimes I really think that is true. And you have this faith, and you just, that's how. How you adore. How do you see God? Is it in his fullness, in his glory, in what it cost him on the cross, and that it's personal for you? Or is it just like, yeah, I kind of believe in God. Yeah, what do you got for me today, preacher? I really don't know about hell. I mean, that just does not. Well, then you can't believe that he, that he took on hell himself. Last thing today, and I think, I was trying, you know, I have to admit, last thing, I, I admit, Tyler, I did not hear 
the psalm chapter that you started the service with. Do you remember it? I'm pointing you out now. Do you remember the psalm chapter? Oh man, I thought I thought it was one hundred and four, but I was and I was like, man, I was like, here's the deal. I think it, let's just say it was one hundred and four, okay? Just <laughs> let's say it's one hundred and four because I was like, that'd be so cool because you started saying, I was like, wait, I just read that this morning, and because my dad sent me a text this morning, he often does every Sunday, like you know, but it was like Psalm one hundred and four, you know, oh worship the Lord. And he said, you know, know that. This might be your people's only opportunity to worship, you know, this week, which is, can be true. I, you don't want that, but I mean, I'm, I'm realistic. But he threw Psalm 104. And then I was like, man, I think that's Psalm 104. How? So it was Psalm 104. I know it, you know. <laughs> but I just want to close with this. I mean, you're talking about hallowed, adoration, obviously the psalm. But I'm just going to close with this, and then we're going to pray, and then come take communion. I'm going to not read the whole thing because it's long, but. Oh, Lord, my God, you are so great. Let's, let's just, I'm going to come back over here, okay? Like the pendulum. I swear. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. You cover yourself with light as a garment. You stretch out the heavens like a tent. Your messenger is the wind. Your minister, a flaming fire. You set the earth on its foundation so that it will never be moved. You cover it with the deep as with a garment. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate. You made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun knows its time for its setting. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made it all. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. Who looks on the earth and it trembles. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I just I pray that we, we do know and are convicted how to adore you. And it's a, to come over here where you are holy and you're majestic and you're in glory. And yet it's so personal and loving that you, you went to the cross. You took on hell for, for us, for sinners to be saved. And then when we, when we know that, and, and your word says only... Only you, Jesus, reveal the Father to us. So it, it's not me. It's not a, a worship team or a leader or a church. It's, it's just Jesus that reveals who you are. And I pray by your Spirit you would reveal to us, whether in your word, in a message, in a song, in a service, in, in communion, we would see. And we would adore and hallow you above all else. Help us, Lord. Forgive us when we don't. Forgive us day by day and often moment by moment when we don't adore you. Lead us to hallowing you. In your name we pray, amen.